0: Section Eight of Fabiola by Nicholas Patrick Cardinal Wiseman. This Librebox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Part First, piece. Chapter Eight, The First Day's Conclusion. If we linger a little time about the door and see Agnes fairly off, and listen to the merry conversation between her and Cecilia, in which Agnes asks her to allow herself to be accompanied home by one of her attendants, as it has grown dark. And the girl is amused at the lady's forgetfulness that day and night are the same to her and that on this very account she is the appointed guide to thread the mazes of the catacombs familiar to her as the streets of rome which she walks in safety at all hours if thus we pass a little time before re-entering to inquire how the mistress within fares after the day's adventures we shall find the house turned topsy-turvy slaves with lamps and torches are running about in every direction looking for something or other that is lost in every possible and impossible place. Euphrosian insists it must be found, till at last the search is given up in despair. The reader will probably have anticipated the solution of the mystery. Syra had presented herself to have her wound redressed, according to orders, and the scarf which had bound it was no longer there. She could give no account of it, further than she had taken it off and put it on, certainly not so well as Euphrosian had done it, and she gave the reason, for she scorned to tell a lie. Indeed, she had never missed it till now. The kind-hearted old nurse was much grieved at the loss, which she considered must be heavy to a poor slave-girl, as she probably reserved the object for the purchase of her liberty. And Syrah, too, was sorry, but for reasons which she could not have made the good housekeeper comprehend. Euphrosian had all the servants interrogated, and many even searched, to so Syrah's great pain and confusion, and then ordered a grand general batu through every part of the house where Syrah had been who for a moment could have dreamt of suspecting a noble guest at the master's table of purloining any article valuable or not the old lady therefore came to the conclusion that the scarf had been spirited away by some magical process and greatly suspected that the black slave afra whom she knew could not bear syra had been using some spell to annoy the poor girl for she believed the more to be a very Canidia being often obliged to let her go out alone at night under pretence of gathering herbs at full moon for her cosmetics as if plucked at any other time they would not possess the same virtues to be cured deadly poisons Euphrosyne suspected but in reality to join in the hideous orgies of fetichism with others of her race or to hold interviews with such as consulted her imaginary art it was not till all was given up and Sibra found herself alone that on more coolly recollecting the incidents of the day she remembered the pause in Fulvius's walk across the court, at the very spot where she had stood, and his hurried steps, after this, to the door. The conviction, then, flashed on her mind that she must have there dropped her kerchief, and that he must have picked it up, that he should have passed it with indifference she believed impossible. She was confident, therefore, that it was now in his possession." after attempting to speculate on the possible consequences of this misadventure and coming to no satisfactory conclusion she determined to commit the matter entirely to god and sought that repose which a good conscience was sure to render balmy and sweet fabiola on parting with agnes retired to her apartment and after the usual services had been rendered to her by her other two servants and euphrosian she dismissed them with a gentler manner than ever she had shown before as soon as they had retired she went to recline upon the couch, where first we found her, when to her disgust she discovered lying on it the style with which she had wounded it, Sarah. She opened a chest, and threw it in with horror, nor did she ever again use any such weapon. She took up the volume which she had last laid down, and which had greatly amused her, but it was quite insipid, and seemed most frivolous to her. She laid it down again, and gave free course to her thoughts on all that had happened, it struck her first what a wonderful child her cousin agnes was how unselfish how pure how simple how sensible too and even wise she determined to be her protector her elder sister in all things she had observed too as well as her father the frequent looks which fulvius fixed upon her not indeed those libertine looks which she herself had often borne with scorn but designing cunning glances such as she thought betrayed some scheme or art of which agnes might become the victim she resolved to frustrate it whatever it might be and arrived at exactly the opposite conclusion to her father's about him she made up her mind to prevent fulvius having any access to agnes at least at her house and even blamed herself for having brought one so young into the strange company which often met at her father's table especially as she now found that her motives for doing so had been decidedly selfish it was nearly at the same moment that fulvius tossing on his couch had come to the determination never again if possible to go inside fabius's door and to resist or elude every invitation from him fabiola had measured his character had caught with her penetrating eye the affection of his manner and the cunning of his looks and could not help contrasting him with the frank and generous sebastian what a noble fellow that sebastian is she said to herself how different from all the other youths that come here never a foolish word escapes his lips never an unkind look darts from his bright and cheerful eye how abstemious as becomes a soldier at the table how modest as befits a hero about his own strength and bold actions in war which others speak so much about oh if he only felt towards me as others pretend to do she did not finish the sentence but a deep melancholy seemed to steal over her whole soul Then Syrah's conversation, and all that had resulted from it, passed again through her mind. It was painful to her, yet she could not help dwelling on it, and she felt as if that day were a crisis in her life. Her pride had been humbled by a slave, and her mind softened. She knew not how. Had her eyes been opened in that hour, and had she been able to look up above this world, she would have seen a soft cloud like incense, but tinged with a rich carnation, rising from the bedside of a kneeling slave prayer and willing sacrifice of life breathed upwards together which when it struck the crystal footstool of a mercy seat in heaven fell down again as a dew of gentlest grace upon her arid heart she could not indeed see this yet it was no less true and wearied at length she sought repose but she too had a distressing dream she saw a bright spot as in a delicious garden richly illuminated by a light-like noonday but inexpressibly soft while all around was dark beautiful flowers formed the sward plants covered with richest bloom grew festooned from tree to tree on each of which glowed golden fruit in the midst of this space she saw the poor blind girl with her look of happiness on her cheerful countenance seated on the ground while on one side agnes with her sweetest simplest looks and on the other syra with her quiet patient smile hung over her and caressed her Fabiola felt an irresistible desire to be with them. It seemed to her that they were enjoying some felicity, which she had never known or witnessed, and she thought they even beckoned her to join them. She ran forward to do so, when, to her horror, she found a wide and black and deep ravine, at the bottom of which roared a torrent between herself and them. By degrees its water rose, till they reached the upper margin of the dike, and there flowed, though so deep, yet sparkling and brilliant, and most refreshing oh for courage to plunge into the stream through which alone the gorge could be crossed and land in safety on the other side and still they beckoned urging her on to try it but as she was standing on the brink clasping her hands in despair copernius seemed to emerge from the dark air around with a thick heavy curtain stretched out on which were worked all sorts of monstrous and hideous chimeras most curiously running into and interwoven with each other and this dark veil grew and grew till it shut out the beautiful vision from her sight she felt disconsolate till she seemed to see a bright genius as she called him in whose features she fancied she traced a spiritualized resemblance to sebastian and whom she had noticed standing sorrowful at a distance now approach her and smiling on her fan her fevered face with his golden-purple wing when she lost her vision in a calm and refreshing sleep End of section 8